0: Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sen, and I know that money, like life, is messy and rarely fits inside of a cash envelope. So if you're ready for a grace-filled money discussion, you have come to the right place. Today I am chatting with a guest, Jen Smith, from the Frugal Friends Podcast. I love it. You love it we're talking about how to find your why, how to stay motivated and how to find what truly matters to you. So, let's jump into the conversation. Okay. So, I'm really excited to have Jen from Frugal Friends podcast.
1: Jen, how are you doing this morning today? I'm doing great.
0: Good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> whenever you're listening to this, I'm probably doing well. Okay.
0: Well, it's morning when I'm recording, and so in my brain, the time will stay that way forever.
1: Um. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Jen, and I am one half of the Frugal Friends podcast. My co-host Jill uh, and I, we live in St. Pete, Florida, and- we love helping people to not just save money it is called fr- the the podcast is called frugal friends but we really approach it from helping people spend well cuz we're pretty we're pretty frustrated by the concept that doing something well means not doing it at all which right. is a lot of what spending people have come to understand spending and frugality to be so they think I'm going to be good with money, and I'm going to control my spending. I can't do it at all, but there is a way to do spending well, um, and to do it in practice. And so that idea fascinates us and motivates us to do two episodes a week on teaching people how to do that.
0: And it's amazing. I love that y'all have such a variety of people on your show and lots of different stories. I had V Weir on a few weeks ago. And we talked about that, how it's really important to get a variety of stories and voices in the debt-free realm so people know that they're not alone um, and that their past doesn't necessarily have to become their future. And so I love that you guys are also a representation of that by just the, the number of stories that you tell any given week.
1: Yeah, we try to do that because I... I had when I was paying off debt. So personally, my husband and I paid off $78,000 of mostly student loan debt in 2 years. And when we were doing that, we were super fanatical about it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really see any realm of possibility outside our small bubble. And we and I get that happens to people, not just in the financial world, but like in a like as a greater concept you can really become wrapped up in your bubble and so it after talking to so many people uh, as like through my job as kind of a financial journalist i never really view myself as a journalist but mm-hmm. i did interview a lot of people realizing that there are so many stories and there are so many routes to the same destination and that there's going to be a unique route for you mm-hmm. that you can glean the wisdom of those who've come before you while still being true to the season of life that you are in and and the situations that you are in so and so that has also like driven us to share so many stories even if they may not fully align with how we did it we still like find value in those um, because we know that we have tens of thousands of listeners, and they're not all like us, and so right. somebody is gonna find value in every story we share
0: that is so true now seventy eight thousand dollars feels sounds like an overwhelming amount. How did you guys do it?
1: It seemed overwhelming at first, so when I was engaged in twenty fifteen i Myself had about, I think, 58 of that. So, Mm -hmm. or 54. And 50 of it was student loan, four of it was a car. And so, I at the time made maybe 35,000 a year, maybe 40 if I was like doing a side hustle. And so, to have more debt than what you make in a year is extremely debilitating. Mm-hmm. It's extremely paralyzing. And I knew I was I was sold these promises that I'd be able to pay off this debt when I graduated with you know with this master's degree. And it was a lie. Like I had a a good job for for what I did and I couldn't I couldn't even fathom paying it off. And so I thought I would have it forever and then even I was like, I'll just wait till I get married, focus on it then. I, so I very much ignored it until till I got engaged. And I realized that when my now husband said he wanted to pay off his $24,000 of student loans. So yes, less than half of what I was bringing to the table. I was hesitant. I had, I had fooled myself into thinking I was gonna do this when the time was right. And then the time was "quote unquote" right, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do it. I wanted to live my life. I didn't want to be like oppressed by financial uh, maturity. So <laughs> it took a little bit of convincing to get me on board. Uh, but but what finally did it was that he really challenged me to think of what's a what's kind of the deeper yes, like. What are the things that you would say no to so that you can say yes for something bigger? Uh, and and I realized that for me, it was foster care, that one day I'd like to foster. I worked in group homes, worked in the foster care system, kind of just as a side hustle, um, which is a horrible side hustle, but it was what I did on the side. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to do that, knew how hard it was, knew that it would be a lot easier to do if I wasn't beholden to a job, uh, if I could work willingly, mm-hmm. like voluntarily, not obligated, not obligated to work, uh, cause I love working. And so that was what really got me on board. And that was when I, I had this, I still do kind of have this like all in or all out personality. It's not healthy. And I've, I've come to think of it less as a personality trait And more of just a um a coping mechanism. But I went all in. Like I went very fanatically all in. And uh within two months had given myself shingles from the stress I had created for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for two years we really went hard with minimizing our expenses and increasing our income. And that that in itself was very helpful for the future. Um, The degree to which we took it was not the most (laughs) healthy, but really honing in on that focus, having that one singular focus where all of our peripherals, we had our deeper yes already defined for the season. Uh, And so it made saying no to some things easier knowing that we could say yes to them in the future in a greater magnitude. So that in a nutshell, like we used all the standard, you know, expense cutting tips mm-hmm. and side hustle tips. So I won't give you like a ton of those, but that's kind of, that was my journey. Um And for two years we did that. And I don't think I could have done it for longer than two years. A year in I got super miserable and super hopeless and that's when i started writing i started my blog to try and kind of help people
0: mm-hmm.
1: learn these hacks that i had been learning and that's kind of when this new career took shape and i found a lot of uh if i found it very helpful to maintain motivation as i was like helping others mm-hmm. so that was a big motivator internal motivator for me um, but yeah it's kind of how we did it Bill, I feel like
0: building community is really important in the process. And that sounds like that's what you did. And also mm-hmm. our debt amount wasn't, it wasn't yours. We we were at $36,000 in debt, uh, mostly student loans and credit card. Um, but I had just had a baby and it took us two years to pay it off. And in the middle of us paying it off, I got pregnant again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it, it was on purpose, but it was still like, oh, we didn't think this entirely through because <laughs> I am exhausted.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but you said something that you are what are you saying no to now in order to say yes to something better? And I feel like for me, that's the definition of frugality. Mm-hmm. I am saying no to things that really aren't that important to me so that I can say yes to the things that I want to do and I want to be in the future.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes... It's it's goes beyond like I the the first really step in frugality is figuring out what you don't care about Mm -hmm. because we we think we care about everything everything seems super urgent everything seems super important everything seems like it's going to make our lives better and the hardest part is figuring out what's the noise and what's really coming from within like what's the noise coming from outside and what's like what's the wisdom coming from within. And so figuring out that, but also figuring out for your goals for the season, okay, what are the things I care about, but I'm willing to say no to for a given amount of time mm-hmm. so that I can say yes to something greater. So I can still care about it. But if there's this thing that's a little greater or a little more timely, what can I say to no to for a season? And I, cause I think we give ourselves ultimatums. Like if I'm going to be financially stable, I have to give up this thing I love forever. And maybe, maybe it's just giving it up for a short season of maybe just a couple months, or maybe it's not giving it up at all. Maybe it's giving up several other things that you care less about. So it's, you really have to, we, we are on the search to find all the things that we love and make us happy. And we forget to define the things that we don't love and that don't truly make us happy.
0: So easy to get caught up in well, I don't know myself enough to know what's important to me. So I'm just going to cling to this thing that everyone else seems to think mm-hmm. is so important. And kind of circling back to something that you said earlier was you got your master's degree and you took out a loan thinking that you were going to get this job or you got a job, but that you're going to be able to pay it off. <clears throat> and I feel like that's kind of the the rally cry of the millennial. Like we were <laughs> promised. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But if we mm-hmm. just
0: got good grades and went to school, everything would work out for us and it didn't. And so it it feels like a lot of unlearning and relearning how things work in the world that exists today and not necessarily the world that existed for our parents and grandparents.
1: Yeah, it's definitely created a lot of skeptics. And I think if you're not skeptical as a millennial, <laughs> You've probably been sleeping. Cause yeah, that's all we were told. What we were told our whole lives turned out to not be true. It just turned out to not be true yeah. for everyone. Some people it was true for. For my friends who went to med school and got engineering degrees. It was okay. It was okay for them. They did oh, yeah. mostly okay. Uh, but for a lot of us, it didn't. And so it's it's definitely. It's not something to be mad about. No, it's something to, to learn from learn from. yeah, it's something to learn from and know. Everyone doesn't have the answers. And even the answers that they do have, when the seasons change, mm-hmm. the answers can change exactly. I mean, we' we will probably give advice to our children that when
0: they're when they are our age, will be null and void because mm-hmm. it's just what we know to be true in this moment. Um, But yes, you do learn from it and learn like plot twist. How can we turn this into something usable, which you have done with your message? Um, So what was the one thing that was kind of difficult for you to give up?
1: I really found like going out with friends to be Mm -hmm. difficult. That was my initial hesitation because I was um, newly married and no children Mid twenties, I was like, "This is the best time of what my time life." Yeah, yeah. I really, I I know everything. So that was where I was at in my twenties, and knowing everything has just gone downhill. Like, there's so it's so unfortunate that. I just wish I was 25 again and I could know everything again. It was such a sweet time. could just
0: time. call her. Call that yeah. version of you who had all yeah. the answers, who yeah. knew how to parent. I would love to talk to 25-year-old oh, who knew how to yes. parent these
1: children. Yes. Uh, I, miss, I miss that, Jen. But so <laughs> I wanted to live the best years of my life. And I, I word for word said, I do not want to live the best years of my life under a rock paying off debt. Like that's just not how I want to spend my 20s. It's not how I want to spend them and i I really had to get creative mm-hmm. in how I met my values and how I thought I was meeting my values, but wasn't fully meeting them. So community is one of my core values. I will drop everything. I think I was telling you before we recorded that I actually missed a podcast interview last week because my best friend was out of school. Like she's a teacher and I just wanted to get coffee with her. And I thought I checked my calendar accurately enough and I didn't. So it wasn't intentional, but it also wasn't unintentional. I just, I am down for quality time. Mm-hmm. Like that's me. And um, and I didn't want to give that up. And so I, at 25, thought quality time meant happy hours and going out to dinner and, all these things that cost money, trips around the country, all these things that my friends were spending money on, that's what I thought quality time had to entail. And I learned throughout these two years that the friends that don't want to spend true quality time with you are not in the season of growth that you are in. And that does not make them bad people because sometimes when I was on my debt-free journey, I would judge others for not being on their debt-free journey too, uh, which is totally untrue. Everyone comes uh, to this in their own time and will learn their own lessons from it. I I needed to adopt a new community, add to my community people who are on the same uh, wavelength as me. I'm the same like trajectory for growth. And and I was able to do that in a way that I would not have if I just stayed bound to this path that I thought I had to stay to. So getting creative in how I found community was hosting potlucks and um, like this pantry challenge things where everybody brings, you can't spend any money on food. You just have to make something with stuff you already have. Very fun. Like uh, freezer meal, group hangouts and wine nights, like wine from Aldi, just bringing over a few bottles, and Aldi wine though is right It's any day. So it's doing stuff like that, and the people who do not want to participate in that, who truly do want to go out, they're in that part of life. And the people who are on your wavelength or who are heading your direction, they're going to be all for it. And I created friendships with people, deeper relationships with people I would not have had I not entered onto this journey. And they have been relationships I keep today. So you touched on this a second
0: ago, which was discovering your core values. And um, can you talk us through a little bit about how someone would go
1: through discovering their core values? Yeah. So there's a seven-step plan. I'm just kidding. There's no, like, (laughs) there is no solid framework. Maybe somebody's come up with it, but I think it's more of like a fluid process. So there are some tips that you can use to figure out what your core values are. So we've got a list of um, 50 of them and we put Mm -hmm. them in a lot of our workbooks because they really do align with not just your financial goals, but your spending and your budgeting and even how you do uh, your like do work, do career, stuff like that. But we have those um, 50. You can kind of go without a list if you want to look at three parts of your life. So the the first two are in kind of childhood youth growing up First are like moments that made you like unreasonably proud. Just you felt so fulfilled. Uh, For me, it was this time that my teacher looked at one of my writing assignments and uh, was, you know, so pleased with it and had me take it to all the teachers in the pot and show them just because it was, you know, I don't know if it was that good, but it was good enough. And I felt so Like, I will never forget that moment. And there are so many moments that pass us by. It's the ones you remember that are indicative of a value that was fulfilled, like a value that was honored for you. So kind of think about those moments where you felt most fulfilled, most proud. Um, And that's going to give you a little key into your core values. Another one is like, like kind of moments of betrayal, almost maybe sometimes Sometimes that you have felt betrayed or really bummed or just super sad, maybe that other people, like in an instance where other people thought it was unreasonable, like they didn't get why you were so upset, that's not you being crazy. That's probably one of your unique core values being betrayed. So that's another indicator And then the last one is looking at your transactions, and so this isn't as like deep as you know core values, but it can it'll give you like a, a secondary like view into your core values. So for me, community. When I looked back at my transactions, I could see where my money was going. It was going to happy hour. Why was I happy hour? I wanted to hang out with friends. It was going to the Mexican restaurant. Why? Was I there to go out with my coworkers? So those of you go through your transactions, like from the last ninety days, and you make notes about okay, why did I spend each? You're going to get a picture of your core values in action. And a lot of the times, we want to say we have certain core values because they sound better. Mm-hmm. No core value is better than another. They're all neutral. It's how you use them. It's how you interact with them. So don't don't pretend to have core values. Look, and when you look at your transactions and you see your core values, you're like, "Oh, I feel like I'm a generous person, and you don't see any generosity in your transactions for the last ninety days. Generosity is not one of your core values, and that's okay. That's okay. You can be okay with that. Uh, you have other core values that are are gifts to you that you can use and you can be generous with those. It doesn't have to be just the one that somebody told you is valuable so that's the one you have to have to be a good person. That's false. You when you are honest with your core values, you can use them to their maximum advantage for maximum good in the world.
0: I love this so much. I feel like we have come to church. <laughs> Jade's here to preach. Um, Well, and that's—I remember years ago when my husband and I were still in debt, we had to attend a finance class. Um, We went through the—we're old. My husband and I are old, Um, and we went through the 2008 recession. We—we ended up short selling our house. It was a whole thing, and we had to attend a class. And one of the guys speaking said, "Your bank statement is a black and white." history of everything that matters to you and it made me angry <laughs> like it was too true too soon I couldn't mm-hmm. handle it but to to a point it is true that yeah we spend our money often does align with our values even when we're not aware of them
1: yeah and it doesn't have to be bad you just have to figure out how to improve it Mm-hmm. to be most beneficial to you and the people you love. And I'll say one last thing about values, unless you ask me more about it, and then I'll talk all day about it. <laughs> so there are four common things that we see people uh, think that are their values that are not actually core values. They're just like core things that every human wants. Um, and that's faith, family, friends, and fulfilling work. Mm-hmm. So we say that those four are not core values. Those four things, well, your core values dictate how you interact with those four things. Um, It it interacts how you show up in your faith community or for your family um, or for your friends. Uh, it It influences what you consider fulfilling work. So I know that many people will jump mostly right to faith, family, and friends um, as their top three, which I have seen so often, but realize that those aren't, aren't actually values. Those are basic human needs. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> if I had to list them out, that may be where my brain went to unless I mm-hmm. dug a little bit deeper. Whereas I'm married to a person who is silently intuitive and he could probably like rattle stuff off to you. Oh, he's... Girls, marry someone smarter than you, but don't let them know they're smarter than you. That is my piece of advice for today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second so, that. <laughs> so, what advice would you give to someone who just feels like they are at the bottom of the barrel?
1: Mm. That it is a season. I use the mm. word season a lot because, and I don't just mean like the three month seasons we see in. The weather. I live in Florida, so our seasons are like nine mm-hmm. months. Uh, but it's that you are always in a season, that everything on this earth is temporal, and you can choose to enter a new season. You can choose at any time, maybe not completely. There are some seasons that are out of your control, mm-hmm. but you can choose what you do in the season. And many times you can choose to enter a new season. And that may be hard to hear. It would have been hard for me to hear at, you know, $54,000 of debt without, you know, the income to back it up. But looking back, I needed to hear that because I, everybody around me and everything around me told me that my life was set in stone, that it had been decided for me because of my... You know, lower middle class upbringing and the people I surrounded myself with and the n- amount of knowledge I had. Um, and it's untrue. You can always change and always grow. Things that don't grow are considered dead. Once mm-hmm. plants stop growing, they die. Um, and how much more true is it with people is that if we stop growing, we kind of feel dead. Mhm. So it's always there's always an opportunity for growth.
0: There is. And just to kind of piggyback off what you said, um you can also choose your attitude in that season because sometimes mm-hmm. you can't change it, but you can change your attitude. Yeah. And that's something that I when we we moved from Atlanta to Alabama, I did not want to be here. We were living in the cheapest rental house we could find. Now I have fond, hazy memories of it. But when we were living there, I just remember it being awful. Like I hated it. And my sister saying to me, you would probably be happier if you chose contentment right now. Like I know that you can't change it, but you would be happier if you just chose to not have a bad attitude every morning when you woke up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I would like wake up in the morning. This is so dumb. But I'd be like, thank you, house, that we're safe in you. Like, thank you, Flores, that you're still here. Like, it was this silly practice, but I feel like in that moment when I was not mentally at my best, it helped kind of boost me through until we could be in a better situation.
1: Yes. You can have contentment without complacency. And choosing gratitude is really that in practice, I think. It's one step of many. So.
0: Where can we find you?
1: Tell me what you got going on. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, as long as it's a podcast player, Mm -hmm. you can find Frugal Friends Podcast. Uh, We have new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And we also have a free ebook that we give out to all of our listeners and listeners of other shows that we go on. And it's got 200 ways to save money kind of as a jumpstart. And uh, we are actually doing a spending makeover challenge the first week of January. So, registration for that is not open yet. But if you get the free ebook, you will get the email when registration for that free challenge opens. We're going to have a Facebook group with live lessons every day and a um, a big lesson on that Wednesday night. And uh, we're going to kind of dive deeper into values based spending. So, looking at our past spending. Uh, looking at current spending and planning for future spending in 2023 and uh, very excited. So you can uh, get the ebook at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash ebook. And uh, around the middle of December, we'll open registration for the spending makeover. You'll get an email about that. So I will leave
0: a link to the ebook in my show notes. And if you get my email newsletter, you I'll put a link there and then I'll be sure to include a link to your challenge, um, in the newsletter when it comes out too. Yay. I don't know about you, but I felt so motivated after that conversation with Jen. So I really do hope that you will check out all of her fantastic resources. And thank you for being here and thank you for listening. And thank you to every single one of you who has left a review. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify, swipe over the artwork and you can leave a review there. And that is how people find the show. And we can continue to spread this message of debt, freedom, and hope along the way. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk soon.